It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. And it's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it is time for the Jet Seahawks post game report. It's funny because when we looked at this on the schedule before the season started, we thought this was going to be a big time showdown between Le'Veon Bell and the Jets and the Seattle Seahawks with Jamal Adams. Adams is there. Le'Veon Bell obviously not there. And there wasn't really much juice in this game because by this point, the Jets were 0-12 going into the game. The Seahawks were 8-4. They were a playoff team, so there was not much to it. The media tried to drum up some controversy between Gase and Adams throughout the week, but I don't think anybody really cared. And certainly, this game didn't reflect anything that would even come close to suggesting that there was anything real in that feud because even if you wanted to try and convince yourself that it meant something to either side above and beyond what it was supposed to mean on a regular Sunday, it didn't because, as I said, the Jets were 0-12 going into this. And very quickly, it became clear that the Jets had no chance to win this one. They did get some chances, and they missed some field goals, and they didn't cash in on some turnovers. And so what ended up happening here is the Seahawks ran away with this one. In the second quarter, they took a commanding 23-3 lead towards the end, and then they really opened it up in the second half. Ended up running away with this 40-3, the final score. And so to talk about that, as always, we've got Andy Vasquez of NorthJersey.com. Andy, I think from your standpoint, the best part of this game has to be that because of the situation going on right now, you did not have to fly across the country to cover this game. Yeah, that would have been a... uh a long flight for a story I could have started writing at the end of the first quarter. So, <laughs> I mean, I think they were in it a little longer than that where it wasn't like out of the question and, and Seattle's had its own struggles and, and didn't play, you know, great early in the game in a game they could have put away long before they did at the end of the first half. But um, yeah, I'm not, I mean, look in a normal situation, I would have loved to have, be able to spend a, a week or two out in LA and, and Seattle and not be in the middle of a global pandemic. But I think uh, not having to be out there in this situation was a, was a good situation. So we'll take the positives we can get this year. And uh, I did enjoy my very comfortable living room setup and, and big screen TV watching this game. And if you're going to be miserable or, or have to document misery, you might as well be comfortable doing it, right? For sure. I'd rather sit on my couch and watch a 40-3 to loss than have to fly across the country to sit in a press box and cover this because this one was over 
relatively quickly. The Jets got off to a nice start, though. I will say that. They had a good opening drive, and this happens a lot with the Jets. It's a trend. They have a good opening drive, and then it's all downhill from there. They were able to get three points and go up 3 nothing, but from there it was all Seahawks. 40 unanswered points. And honestly, it's crazy because I had people asking me if there were any Jets that played well in this game. And really, you'd have to look hard. I guess you could say that Corey Ballantyne had a really nice game because he had that one big kick return that should have resulted in a field goal, but Sergio Castillo missed one of the three that he missed on the day after that big return. And then, of course, you look at the rest of the team, and the only two guys that on the surface, without going back and looking at the film, seemed to do reasonably well were Josh Adams, who only carried the ball six times, but did have 27 yards, so 4.5 yards per carry average. And honestly, Andy, the funniest part of this is that Adams seems to be the best running back on this roster, and for the last two years, for the bulk of that time, he had been on the practice squad. So again, that doesn't say positive things about Adam Gase, that arguably the best running back he had was on the practice squad all of this time, especially since this isn't some kid that came out of nowhere. He was the Eagles' leading rusher the year before, and so you would think he'd have given him a chance earlier on, but nope. Not until last week, really, and he made the most of it, and he looks like he could be somebody that the Jets continue on with going forward. Braxton Berrios, another one who had a pretty solid game, only targeted a couple of times but did have three catches for 49 yards. But really, other than that, that's it. There was one pretty big surprise, though. Jamison Crowder was not expected to play in this game. He did play only had two catches for seven yards. Everybody thought that there's no way he was going to play because of the injury. His injury was not due to somebody else's negligence, though. But if something happens to you due to somebody else's negligence, it can be a life-changing event. And when that happens, you want a strong legal team fighting for you to make sure you receive full compensation for your injuries. You want to be able to call your legal team whenever you want. You don't want your file to be on a shelf with hundreds of others. You don't want your lawyers to be afraid to go to court. Here's what you do want. The legal team at Faruqi and Faruqi, they give every client their personal cell phone number to call 24-7. They limit the number of clients they represent at one time. They have a long track record of taking on insurance companies, corporations, and the government in court. And the best part of all, they have a long track record of winning. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Learn more about them by going to nylegalteam.com. That's nylegalteam.com. And Andy, I guess I should say another guy who played pretty well was Marcus May, especially that really nice interception that he had when he was in one-on-one coverage with DK Metcalf, which was a big surprise and no surprise at all that Russell Wilson tried to take advantage of it, but May made an outstanding play on the ball. Beyond that, a lot of guys just didn't have their best day today. Ty Johnson, who was electric last week, only carried the ball eight times and got 16 yards, so he was more or less shut down. Frank Gore carried eight times as well, 23 yards, so a little bit better than Ty Johnson, but not much. Sam Darnold, again, this is not a good day for him. 14 of 26, 132 yards, but really he played way worse than the stat sheet would indicate because Andy, as you and I were talking about before we started recording, he had what should have been at least two pick sixes that were dropped. One of them dropped by Jamal Adams. And there could have even been a third, but he was very sloppy with the football again. Here's what Chad Cascadden, former Jets linebacker, had to say 
about Darnold's performance on SNY after the game. He said, he is what he is. Mechanics are off. Mental is off. He has to see a six-man blitz and check out of it by now. Can't stand in the pocket, hold the ball all day, and get sacked. Seattle wasn't even hiding what they were doing, which is true. They weren't really being all that deceptive, but Darnold just couldn't figure out what to do. And the Seahawks, who had had major problems on defense, particularly in the passing game, just shut down the jet passing game today as i said 132 yards against one of the worst passing units in the league this is also a team that got gashed in the running game last week by the giants jets couldn't get anything going there either and so you look around and even the guys who had been outstanding a lot of weeks john franklin myers didn't really do much quinn and williams wasn't his usual standout self bryce hall who we really liked and who seemed to be coming along, didn't have the best day. Now, to be fair, a lot of times he was stuck covering DK Metcalf, and that was never going to go well for him. But still, this was not his best day. So you go ahead and look around at everybody, and this was just a very ugly performance in every way imaginable. Coaching wasn't very good either, and certainly the defense didn't seem to respond well to Greg Williams being fired. I'm not sitting here, Andy, and saying that the reason they performed poorly is because Williams was gone, but if they were hoping for a spark, that certainly didn't come. Yeah, I think overall it was just a bad situation for the Jets and just another example of a team that is already not very good just having situations play out in ways that are just remarkably unfavorable for them. I mean, you, you go and have that kind of a game last week and it's a devastating loss. And then what the game that's staring you in the face this week is a game that was already going to be not the greatest situation for them, like with the Jamal Adams stuff. So they got to answer the questions about that and, and think about that and obviously be reminded that he's in a much better situation and when you lose a game the way they lost against the Raiders, I can promise you that even the players at that point are questioning, like, oh, my God, are we destined to be an 0-16 team? So they have that, that game and follow it up with a game where they got to travel. It was always going to be a tougher game against a good team in Seattle. It was always going to be a tough situation for them. And then they go to Seattle, and, and they – are kind of hanging around in the game and, and have a chance to keep it kind of close. And then their, their kicker misses three field goals in the second quarter. And you cannot tell me like looking at the sideline at that point that they're not thinking like, Oh my God, like, can we catch a break? And I think the jets would have made this game closer and been more competitive if, if that wasn't the situation. But I think they were just deflated after halftime and didn't come out with the same kind of effort we've seen and focus really more than anything that we've seen all year. And, and that's how the Seahawks were able to very quickly turn it into a route in the second half. And I don't think they were ever going to come back, but I think it would have been more respectable and they might've pushed like we've seen in other games to get back in the game, but it just wasn't there because losing takes a toll and, and it takes a cumulative toll. And the, and the deeper we get into this and the more scar tissue there is, the more difficult it's going to be for them to kind of withstand and, and continue to, you know, play at the upper limits of their potential, which is to beat a team like the Raiders at home or, or give teams like Seattle a tough game, which we've seen can be done by teams that aren't as good as them, like the Giants and, and other teams. Uh, but the Jets just weren't up to it today. And I think 
you're seeing the toll of a lot of tough afternoons for them adding up here. Um, and, and like you said, Sam Darnold, just there's no way to defend the way he's playing. There's no way you can look at it and be like, this is good. There's nothing good about it. Um, going into a little bit more detail about what you said about Seattle, they're, they're passing defense is the worst in the league and, and not really, it's not close. The only thing that's really close to them is the Jets who had the second worst passing defense going into this game. Seattle had not had a team pass for under 250 yards this season before today. They had only two teams had passed for less than 300 in a game before today. And one of them was the Giants last week at 290 and the Jets come in and have, I believe it was 132 yards net passing before the, before the two sacks that, that got Sam Donald down to 116 for the game. So um, it's just, or, or I'm sorry, it was 116 yards net passing and 132 for Donald. So the Jets were 135 yards short of what the Eagles did against them. This defense was ripe for Sam Donald to come out here and have a, finally a good game this year. He, he should have had some confidence after the way he played late against the Raiders, and yet he comes out and lays another complete dud. You cannot honestly think that he has a future as a Jets quarterback. You cannot honestly believe in him, and it's no guarantee that he's going to turn around with another team. He has serious issues, red flag type stuff, and it's not hard to see. So if there was any question about what the Jets should do and, and if maybe they should try to give it a try with Donald and trade down, like that is not something that they could do in, in good faith at this point after what you saw there today. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Andy, I brushed past it a little bit, but Sergio Castillo did kick four field goals, missed three of them. And so I would imagine that he's probably going to be looking for another job this week. However, I did find it funny that during the broadcast and, of course, throughout the game, a lot of pundits were bringing this up on social media that the Jets had let Jason Myers walk a couple of years ago. And so it turned out to be a huge mistake because Myers is a pretty reliable kicker and Castillo missed three field goals. Of course, if Myers had hit those three field goals, the Jets would have lost by four touchdowns instead of five. So I'm not really sure that that's the big zinger that a lot of people thought it was on this day. In the grand scheme of things, the Jets have made mistakes a lot bigger than letting Jason Myers walk. I think we can all agree on that. You don't think that if they had... Uh... Jamal Adams and, and Jason Myers, they'd be in the Super Bowl convention right now? I think they might be right up there with Buffalo. But to be fair, I think if they had Adams and Jason Myers, they'd probably be more in that wild card division race than Super Bowl right, contender, yeah. don't you? Yeah, no, I think I mean I think <laughs> I think Myers is worth at least six wins and Adams maybe one. So mm-hmm. but that'd be that'd be seven. And they may have won a couple of those other close games, so they they probably have nine wins. Yeah, yeah, they'd be they'd be knocking on the door for a wild card for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think they would definitely be right in the wild card mix if they still had Jamal Adams and Jason Myers. I think they'd probably be right up there with the Bills, and then we'd be seeing how they would be <laughs> doing down the stretch, competing for the division. I'm obviously completely joking, and so is Andy. So if you're not picking up the sarcasm here, this is what happens when you're covering a team that's 0-13 
which is not the case, by the way, for the Seahawks. Russell Wilson had a bounce-back game here, 21 of 27, 206 yards, four touchdowns. He did have that one interception that I talked about to Marcus May, but, boy, he spread that ball around. The Seahawks were able to get five touchdowns in this game, and four of them were receivers, DK Metcalf, Will Disley, Freddie Swain and David Moore, all able to get touchdowns. Jamal Adams broke a single-season record for defensive back, getting sacks today, eight and a half for the season. So he may become the first defensive back to have 10 sacks in a season. And by the way, he missed four games. So that's particularly impressive. This is when you knew for sure that this game was an official embarrassment. And I don't mean this as a slight to him because I'm not saying that he's particularly terrible for a backup, but Geno Smith coming into this game, that's when you knew that this had gotten truly ugly. By the way, Geno, four of five for 33 yards. Nice day for Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde on the ground too. Carson had 12 carries for 76 yards. Hyde with 15 for 66. This is a Jets team that had been really good against the run all year. And the Seahawks are not the most potent rushing attack in the league, but on this day, they look pretty good. Also, Penny Hart with a really nice end around, one carry for 19 yards. So the Jets got stomped by the Seahawks on the road. Now they head into L.A. next week. But this is going to be really weird, Andy, because since these protocols are what they are, it's not like the Jets are going to be able to even stay on the West Coast. So they have to fly back home, practice here all week, and then fly all the way back. That's going to be really tough for them, especially against the Rams team that seems to be firing on all cylinders right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I asked Gates about that as they were headed into this week. And I think I asked him about it last week because it's just interesting to see how travel plans kind of change because of the pandemic. And he ended up giving one of the a pretty great quote that you just like don't expect to hear during a football season. I think it was up there with with last year when Gase said another one you wouldn't expect, which was if his spleen bursts, then we got a problem. Like uh, just an incredible quote. <laughs> Obviously talking to about Sam Darnold after his bout with mono, but this was another good one. He's talking about the situation where if they did stay out West, they were going to have to stay in a hotel room or a hotel for basically like 10 days. And he's like, uh, you know, we don't, it's, it's hard enough being here. The, the inclination being that they're having this season, it's hard enough being at home. Uh, we don't need to create some insane asylum in a hotel. So <laughs> that's why the jets won't be staying out West because they would have had to be locked down in a hotel basically the whole time, and, and that wouldn't have been good for them. Uh, another couple of moments that from this game I, I found kind of interesting and were kind of fitting and and weird for where the Jets are. It, on one play there in the first half, Jamal Adams and Damon Harrison forced a, a fumble, and then the Seahawks cash in the drive with Myers. So all the former Jets getting involved there. And then Geno's first play of the game was just, like, bizarre. It looked like it was some sort of miscommunication and he ended up like taking the snap and then basically like running a half circle and lying down. And on that same play, like, welcome to the game, Gino, we remember you. And, and then on that same play, <laughs> the Jets were called for offside. So it was just like perfect, like a total failure all the way around. And uh, you know, it was a, it was a reminder of, of Gino's time here, which 
as it turned out, wasn't as bad as it can get as we as we now see. Andy, let's talk about what happened after the game in the locker room. First of all, I was curious if anything happened injury-wise that we didn't have our eye on because I didn't really notice anything, but there might have been a tweak or something that Gase spoke about. And then I know that Gase and a bunch of the other players spoke to the media afterwards, and Gase actually had some interesting things to say about Jamal Adams. I know that Jamal Adams even said that Gase embraced him and told him to go get a Super Bowl. So it's funny that Adams went and talked all that crap about Gase and the Jets, and then he turns around and says, I got nothing but love for the Jets. I got nothing but love for Gase. I have no hate in my heart for Gase. It's really what's convenient for him at that particular moment, it seems. But take us inside the locker room, what was said after the game. Well, yeah, just touching on that Gase-Donald thing real quick. I'm sorry, Gase... um, Adam's thing real quick. So used to saying Gase Darnold. Uh, I think Adam did not look, make himself look very good this week when he says that he had no idea that there are problems with Jamal or that he thought they were good, especially because like there was that time last year after the trade deadline where Jamal didn't talk to Joe Douglas or Adam Gates for like more than a week, which is obviously not a sign of a great relationship. But I think the Jets kind of felt like, Jamal was trying to force his way out, would say anything. And, and that personally, Adam Gase and Jamal Adams did talk a lot and have a pretty good relationship. And I think you saw some evidence of that because you know, Adams talked about that after the game. And, and Gase told us, too, that he went up to him and hugged him and, and told him to go get one, meaning a Super Bowl. So both sides of that story match up. And, I, and, I, and Adam said earlier this week that he did have a, you know, a good relationship with Gase and that he didn't agree with some of the things he did as a head coach. Adams isn't like a confrontational guy, so I'm sure he never said that to to Adam Gase's face. But like you said, whatever was good for Jamal in that moment, which obviously his goal was to get away from the Jets, so he said what he said, and and it is what it is. So um, yeah, that was basically all that was said from Gase about Adams in terms of today. Marcus May also said that, you know, they had a nice talk on the field after the game and and that they've kept in touch and, and Jamal Adams is telling him to hang in there and, and, you know, to get through it. And obviously it's interesting with May being so close to Adams, you know, what May really kind of thinks about where the team is at and and what his future might be here. We're going to uh, obviously find out how that all plays out in the off season, but but getting back to this game with the injuries, there wasn't a lot. Basically, the only guy who left the game was uh, Saquon Hampton, which you may not may not have been aware that he played for the Jets before today, but he left the game with an ankle injury. Um, other than that, the Jets got through this pretty clean, which which was good news for them injury wise. Um, basically, Gase just said like we weren't we weren't in it early. We didn't give ourselves a chance early, and it got out of hand quickly, and and that was accurate. Um, Gase did admit that he didn't manage the clock well at the end of the first half. Um, on the two-minute drive there, they got the, the deep ball to Braxton Berrios. They got down to like the 20 and actually had a chance to turn it into a touchdown, but they had to burn a timeout because they used the entire play clock. And Gase explained that vaguely, but taking ownership. He said, I screwed up. That was on me. I screwed up our guys as far as trying to get too cute on one of the play calls. That was my fault. Um, and then he got into, 
you know, the whole sadness of the season. This is the first time the Jets have ever lost 13 games in a row. Um, even back in the Rich Cotite era when they lost a bunch of games between two seasons, it was 12 in a row. They got the win at, at the ninth game of that season. And he was asked about, like, comparing the losses. And uh, he basically said, like, comparing last week losing like that in the last minute to losing by 37. He basically said last week was probably one that felt a little different as far as it hurt. And then he paused and was like, they all make me feel like bleep. That's all I know. So very uplifting stuff <laughs> from the Jets as usual. <laughs> Sam Donald, he doesn't do frustration or anger like most people. He's pretty tame, but you could tell that he was deflated after his loss. He didn't want to answer you know, definitively or go into depth about what went wrong because, I mean, I'm sure it was excruciating for him. He knows, he knows he played poorly. And it was just, you know, hearing his his tone and seeing his body language, like he looks deflated, he looks frustrated. And it's, it's hard to watch because he was so recently the future of this franchise and obviously it, it's not there. And then he was basically asked, like, point blank, how does it, field to lose 43 after preparing all week you know and then you lose by 37 he said yeah i mean it sucks so again i've just <laughs> got to watch the tape and get better see what we can do to continue to improve and he was asked about the 13 game losing streak and he's very short answer yeah i mean we've got to be better so it's not happy times for sam darnold which you saw and then with sergio castillo he was asked about the kicks, what went wrong. And he basically said he didn't follow through on the first one and, and did it again. And, and wasn't able to get it fixed. He said mentally he felt like he went through his process well and was in a good place before kicking, but obviously it was a little bit of a factor. And he says he thinks he can get it ironed out and that's out of his control. If he gets cut or, or they move on from him, so he's not going to worry about it. Um, and that he's just going to try to learn from it and get better. So we'll see what the Jets do. Adam Gase basically said, like, it was too early for him to know if Castillo's job might be in jeopardy. Also, Sam Ficken is eligible to come off of IR this week, but um, who knows where he's at in his recovery. So if he's not in a good place in his recovery, the Jets might end up sticking with Castillo just because there's three weeks left in the season. It's tough to get guys in with COVID. I mean, at this point, it'd be hard for the Jets to get a new guy in before next Sunday if they'd made a decision right now. So if Ficken isn't ready, there's a good chance he'll be kicking again just because their options are so limited. Well, if nothing else, we know that he can chug plenty of seltzer in that locker room to keep the players entertained when they get off that long flight. He is the seltzer chugging champion of the XFL. So even if he's missing kicks, he can be the post-flight entertainment for the Jets on the West Coast next week. Andy Vasquez covering the Jets for NorthJersey.com. As always, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. 99 cents gets you access to everything at NorthJersey.com, including all the great articles that Andy's got up there, you can get a good portion of them for free, but for 99 cents, you get everything plus all the other great local journalism at NorthJersey.com. Andy, when people head over there this week, what are they going to find? Well, we're going to continue focusing on the future. On Monday morning, you can see a story. I put together the top five positions the Jets should prioritize outside of the quarterback as they try to rebuild this thing next year. So, I won't give it away, but you can 
it's not really giving away by saying like there's positions on both sides of the ball they need to focus on. But I think they, there is more on defense than on offense, which might surprise you, but check it out. See what you think. Feel free to yell at me if you don't agree. Uh, I still, I'll still think I'm right, but, but definitely read it. And then we'll, we're going to look at more into the, the, basically the Jets at this point are almost locked into a top two pick. So they're going to have, even if they win a game and, and screw it up, they're going to have a chance to get fields. So we're going to start taking a look at both of those guys and, and what they can bring. And uh, basically that kind of stuff, free agents, they could target, um, guys that they, that might make sense to bring back and guys that they should move on from. This roster is going to look a lot different next year, and, and Joe Douglas is going to be under pressure to do that, but also show some sort of improvement because he's going into year three here, and, and he's not going to be able to fly under the radar much longer. So the Jets are in a really interesting spot heading into this offseason, and, and we're going to spend the next three weeks of this season examining that because, as we saw on Sunday – getting too heavily into the games uh, isn't really uh, constructive at this point because the Jets are going to look a lot different next year. Go ahead and follow Andy on Twitter at Andy underscore Vasquez and read his work at NorthJersey.com. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.